grab your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, as we honor the reading of God's Word, I'm going to, I actually, I read this out of the message paraphrase, and I, I just love the way that it's written in this. And so if you don't have that, I understand it'll be up here on the screens. It starts out in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. This is what it says. Jesus told them a story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. So the story that he's going to tell us right here is always to remind us that it's necessary to pray consistently and never quit. And he says this, There was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. And he never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, I care nothing what God thinks, even less what people think. But because this widow won't quit badgering me, I'd better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. The master said, do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think that God won't step in and work justice for his chosen people who continue to cry out for help? Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. But how much, look at this question, but how much of that kind of persistent faith will the Son of Man find on the earth when he returns? Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we would be a people of persistent faith, persistent prayer. Lord, that we would ask and keep on asking, that we wouldn't not have because we didn't ask you for it. And so, Jesus, I pray that even over these 21 days, that um, as you reveal that, that area of breakthrough, miracle, need in our life, God, I pray that we would commit to, to be like this persistent widow, to just continually put this before you and to grow deeper in knowledge and revelation of who you are as a good, good dad to us. Lord, I thank you that you're just a good dad. Thank you that you encourage us along the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I read this story, I, um, I, I sometimes think, like, uh, I don't know if I want to be that annoying to God. Like, because I, I talk to people a lot, and they, they say things like, well, you know, doesn't, like, God has a lot of other things to worry about rather than little old me. Like, he's got, like, you know, children starving in Africa and world peace and those types of things. But, like, the stuff that's going on in my life I really don't want to annoy God with that. We kind of see it as, as, as an annoyance rather than anything. And so what we end up doing is we kind of adopt like this kind of prayer ADD, you know, where we like have a list of things and we, we knock them off the list, we pray for it, and then we're on to the next thing. And, and very rarely do we find that we're, that we're in this place where we're just like this persistent widow, like praying and persevering and continuing to go after it in God. And, and what we find here is that God has a high value on persistent faith, high value. The Bible says that he's actually on the lookout for this kind of faith because persistence, persistent faith, is the key to unlocking the promise. That's what he tells us. Even in this one story alone, Jesus is teaching, like, hey, it's important that, and I'm on the lookout for this type of persistent faith. I'm looking for that in you. And so for these 21 days, I, I, I just want to encourage you to not have prayer ADD but to rather focus in on one area 
to just commit to pray every day over these 21 days. And rather than have a list of things, circle one thing. Just focus in on that. Um, and, and I titled the message this week, Circles. And, and, and I did that because I think that as we're talking about these 21 days, like I, I want to encourage you to just circle, maybe draw a circle around your children over 21 days. I know maybe you pray for your kids, but how often do you, do you diligently pray every day for them? To draw a circle around your spouse or draw a circle around your future spouse. Maybe it's drawing a circle around like a challenge that you're facing or a sin that you're struggling with. Like I'm going to circle around this. I'm going I'm to d- devote my time to be praying over this, this, this area of my life. Maybe you're going to be drawing a circle around a dream that God has placed in your heart that maybe he spoke years ago, but you've just kind of let this thing go over time and it's just kind of faded into darkness. Maybe it's drawing a circle around a change that you know needs to happen or a decision that you know you need to make. And rather than pushing it off and pushing it off, you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this thing. And the goal is this. It's not to, it's not to like twist God's arm or manipulate him into fulfilling what you want over 21-day time frame. The goal is to grow in, in, in your faith. The goal is to grow in your prayer life and be persistent in that and to grow in a relationship with God over these 21 days. Because when, when I, just, I just truly believe that who you become is determined by how you pray. Who you become is determined by how you pray, because breakthrough always begins from within. Sometimes we're like, God, I just want you to change this. If you could just change my husband or change my wife or change my kids or change my job, if you could just change these issues in my life, then everything would be good. But so many times I find that breakthrough begins from within. God wants to do something in me before he can do something for me. It's that whole like, God, I want you to change my season, but don't change me. Send me into a new area and a new place with a new experience. And God says, I really want to change something in you first. So I just want to encourage you into that. Um, If you turn with me to Joshua chapter 6, speaking of drawing circles, um, this story that we're about to read in Joshua chapter 6 is all about circles. And uh, if you grew up in Sunday school, you may remember this, the whole story, I think there was a whole song that went along with it with, uh, with Joshua and the army marching around Jericho. And they did it for, for seven days. And then what happened? The walls collapsed in and they were able to go in and take the city. Um, th- this is the story that, that you've probably read or heard about. Even if you don't come to go to church normally, uh, you've probably heard lore of that story. Um, and as you're turning there, I just want to help you understand the context of, of the story that we're about to read. The Israelites are finally done wandering in the wilderness, and they're under new, new leadership. They're under the leadership of Joshua, who is leading them into the promised land. And the first city that they have to do battle with is this city called Jericho. Now, Jericho is not a huge city, but it has huge walls around it, huge walls. Um, now, these, these walls that are encircling Jericho, they're like, they're not like, they're no like, Mexican border walls. These are, these are much bigger than that. Sorry, too soon. They're, they're huge, okay? These, these things, they go, they go around Jericho. Some archaeologists say that these things are like, at the base, six feet wide. Huge, thick walls. And because they were kind of staggered in two, two separate walls, 
if you were standing and looking at these walls, they would appear to be like 25 to 45 feet high. These things are absolutely mammoth, insurmountable, impenetrable. I mean, they're surrounding the entire city, and this is what they're kind of looking at. This is an intimidating wall. This is a, this is a big wall. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, it describes a little bit about these walls. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So it's intimidating, overwhelming, impenetrable, seemingly impossible. Um, it's these, these huge walls. Nobody's going in or out. There's no, like, chinks in this armor. It's, it's, it's covered. And I love what God says in verse 2. Catch this. The Lord says to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. This always gets me. Because you just look. Look for yourself. Verse 1 and verse 2 have nothing in common. Like, verse 1 clearly is talking about these walls, the closed gates, no access in or out. And then the Lord says to Joshua, see? You see? See, I, I've given you Jericho into your hands. And not just, not just Jericho, but the king and the, these, the, the mighty fighting men. And if I'm Joshua, I'm looking at this wall being like, see what? Like, what are you talking about, Lord? He's like, see? No, I don't. All I see are these huge walls that I, I don't know how I'm ever going to get around. And the Lord just reminds him and he says, see, have you, ever, have you ever felt like what you see with your eyes doesn't match with what God has said in your heart? You ever been there? Where God, like, I, I, it reminds me of like Gideon, you know, he's like hiding and he's threshing weed in a wine press and trying to like cower and, 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 and not be seen. And the angel of the Lord comes up to him and he's like, hello there, mighty warrior. And he's like, you talking to me? Like, have you ever been in that place where God speaks something over you and it doesn't match up with what you see in your life? Where maybe he, he says things over your life and he speaks identity into you and you're like, who are you talking about? I'm a mess. And he's like, no, you're a child of the Most High King. And you're like, me? I don't know. Either you're blind or I'm blind, but I'm not seeing this. Like, I don't understand what exactly you're talking about. Or maybe you're in this place where you're like, what I see with my eyes doesn't match up with what God said in my heart. Like, he says, I am your provider. And you're like, well, show me the money. Because I'm looking at my checkbook right now, provider, and I got like, Little in my checking and nothing in my savings. So like, I'm not understanding how this is happening. Or God says to, speaks to your heart and says, I have a husband prepared for you. And you're like, I hope it's not him. <laughs> right? And we find ourselves in this tension because God calls us to see what we cannot see. Time and time again, that's what he's, he's just speaking to us, to walk by faith and not by sight. But it's really hard to walk by faith when all you see are walls. And you start to get distracted by your own perspective. Because that's all you can see in front of you. And God says, see? No, I don't see. I want you to see, not with your eyes, but I want you to see with my eyes what he's speaking into Joshua. Because how many of you understand that even though God promises something, it doesn't always mean that you possess it. There are sometimes God promises something and you're like, I just don't understand why. I mean, I've been promised this, but I'm not walking in possession of this promise. Like, what's, why am I not walking in, 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 in the promise that God has spoken over me? 
And sometimes God calls us to act. And we're going to see this in, in, even in this story of what God calls Joshua to do. He says, see, see, I've given you victory. If you're taking notes this morning, your first fill-in-the-blank thing says, like, only God can speak victory in a battle that you haven't even fought yet. Think about that. God speaks victory as he's standing outside of the walls, staring at this insurmountable obstacle, and the Lord says, see, I've given you victory. Listen, only God can speak victory of a battle that you haven't even fought yet because he calls us to see what we cannot see. Because anybody can see victory after they've already fought the battle, right? You can even see it almost halfway done. You're like, yeah, we're pretty much going to win this thing. Thank you, Jesus, right? We won it. Yep, that, I saw the victory. But only God can, can cause us to see victory even before we even take the first strike. And that's what he's speaking over Joshua. Because when all we can see are walls, we get distracted by our perspective. And he's encouraging, see, 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 see. And I wish it got better in verse 3. It doesn't. Because wait till you read what God's battle plan is. This is his plan. So he's like, hey, see, I've given you victory. Good news. You're a winner. I got you. And then he said, this is how we're going to do it. Verse 3. March around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, give the whole army now have the whole army give a loud shout. And then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up. Everyone straight in. Okay. So so you and I we like we know how this story ends. So we have a little bit of like okay. I mean, come on, Joshua. I mean, this is you know it's going to work out. He doesn't know it's going to work out. All he's looking at are the huge walls. And the barred gates, and he can't go in. He's intimidated by this insurmountable obstacle. And this is what God's plan is. March in circles, blow horns, and yell at the walls. Sounds like a 90s charismatic worship service. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm not sorry about that. That was awesome. That was funny. You're going to get that later. Sorry, not sorry. Save your emails. I don't even care. That was awesome. <clears throat> so here's the deal. This is his plan, a 90s charismatic worship service. You're kidding me right now. Okay, we're going to march around in circles. We're going to blow horns and yell at walls. This is the plan, Lord. Sorry, Lord. If, if I were Joshua and I were given this as the battle plan, I'm just going to tell you I might question it. I might be like, I don't know if this is the Lord I'm hearing. It's probably Satan. Because Satan's be trying to make me look like an idiot. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be doing this. But how many of you know that faith always calls us to do what we do not understand? In fact, sometimes God calls us to do something that we might seem as silly or foolish. And he just wants to know, will you do it? Will you march around a city for six days, seven days? Just because I told you to. And for some of us, like... You know, even over these 21 days of prayer, you're, you're thinking like, okay, Pastor Justin, like, like I've, I've already done this. Like, 
I'm glad that we're doing this as a church thing, but like I've already done prayed for my marriage and my husband looks no more like Chris, Pat, Chris Pratt than he did last week. Like this is, it didn't work, right? Like I, I, I want to move forward in this. But what if God was calling you to something and to commit to something that maybe looks foolish just so he can do something that you could never manipulate or orchestrate on your own? I find that's how God works with me all the time. When I can try to make it happen, it usually doesn't work because he just wants me to obey and to walk in what it is that he wants to do. And then we see lift. Verse 6, Joshua obeys. Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. He orders the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. He instructs the army, like, I don't know, like the way it's written here, it looks like with such bravado and confidence, he just yells out, advance. This is like soldier speak for like, let's get ready to rumble. Like he's like ready to go. He's like, advance. And then notice the next word, march in circles. So they're thinking like, wait, okay, we're getting ready to go. I'm getting ready to fight and war and kill. This is what I'm here for. And the very next word is like, okay, now march. So instead of advancing and fighting and killing, they go for a walk for six days every day. This is not what I signed up for. What are we doing? I mean, the first time, it might have felt a little foolish. You know, they're like, okay, Joshua said to walk, so we're just walking and, you know, and like they're walking around, they're walking around like this is, I know this is weird, but this is the, this is the city and they're walking around. And at first time, it's like, okay, maybe this was like some sort of like a cool reconnaissance mission, right? Like a surveillance, trying to figure out, get the lay of the land, right? Like maybe that's what they're thinking after day one. But day two comes around, he's like, okay, last verse, same as the first. Okay, so are we serious right now? We're, this is what, okay, right, we're walking around this thing, walking around this thing. For six days, every day, this is what they do. And they got to be wondering, what in the world are we doing? Why are we doing this? Have you not seen these walls? We should be using like battering rams or catapults or something. I don't know. Were those a thing? Like, I, you know, it's just like, we should be throwing things over there at least, maybe to knock somebody out. Like, we get, what are we doing right now? We're literally, this is the plan. And you know what? Like, this is what would help us out a little bit. This would have helped them, and it would help me out in my own prayer life and in your prayer life. What if every single time they walked around, they're like, okay, lap one. As soon as they finish lap one, they look up, and the walls just crumble just a little bit. That's pretty sweet. They're like, day two. Okay. All right. I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Look up. Finish. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, right? And you start walking day three. You're like, come on, come on. You're like, you know what I mean? You start getting all excited, right? And listen, I just want you to know, you wouldn't have to wake me up in the morning to walk. I'd be like, boys, we're walking in circles today. Get up. 
And I'd be waking people up like, rising, shining, give God that glory, glory. You know, I'd be like, come on, let's go, let's go, come on, we're walking. Why? Because every time we walk around, have you seen these walls? These walls are crumbling. I guess probably about seven times, these are going to be gone. And we want that in our own prayer life, don't we? Like every time, I'm, okay, I, I'm praying, I'm, I'm hoping that something's going to change, I'm, I'm wishing that, that something's going to happen. But that's not what happens with these guys. For six days, they're walking and for nothing but looking silly. I think of like, I said this earlier, I kind of think of like the, uh, the Monty Python, The Search for the Holy Grail. You know when they're going around, he's like, I will taunt you a second time. You know what I'm talking about? You've never seen that movie? You shouldn't watch it. It's inappropriate. Um, <laughs> a guy, a French guy on the wall. Sorry if you're French. You know what I mean? But like, that's what I think of when I've seen these guys looking up this wall and not knowing what to do. I think that, that we, we, we would like God to move like that in our own prayer life. Like, what if I was praying for my wife, and then wouldn't it be awesome if I prayed for her, and then the next, like, minute, she comes in, she's like, sweetie, I, can I rub your feet? I'd be like, in Jesus' name, yes, you may, right? You know, I'd be like, and that's all to the glory of the Father in heaven. You know what I mean? I'd be all excited about this. i pray for my kids. i just say a quick little prayer. They come in, Daddy, I just want to say that I love you. Be like, yes, Lord, that's what the respect I'm due, right? Because it's working, right? Or you just pray for about your, your job, your boss gives you a cause. Like, hey, I just want you to know, I know that you're, you didn't really show up to work yesterday, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a raise anyway. You're like, yes, Jesus, uh, right? You get excited about that. Why? Because we like to see progress. When I'm walking around, when I'm walking around and I don't understand what I'm doing, I like to see a little bit coming down. I can relate to these guys. They don't know what they're doing. They're just, they're just walking around and walking around and walking around. And here's, here's, what I, here's, here's what I take away from this. I think that sometimes if God were to work like that in our own life, we would start to think that we did it. Because I don't know, if, if that started to happen for me, this is how I would be walking. This is how I'd be marching. I'd be like, come on, boys, let's go. I'll be like this, and then I'll be like, yeah! I did that. I mean, God did that through me, right? Like, I'd be walking around, I'd be stomping, I'd be getting all excited about this. Why? Because this, this had to do with what I was doing in my work, and I think that the reason why God does this and he doesn't give them any progress along the way is because he wants them to trust not in their works, but in his work. I just asked you to walk, just march, I didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to give you any of these, like, freebies going around. I just told you to march. I want you to trust in my work and not in your works. And I think that's one of the greatest temptations in our own life is that God is working even when what you're doing is not. Even when what you think you're, you know, okay, I, God's, God's working in, the, in, in behind the scenes even though what I'm doing doesn't seem to be working to trust that, that he has your back, that he is for you, that he is not against you. And he tells them, advance, march. And the only other thing he tells them is verse 10. Check it out. But Joshua commanded the army. This is a little different than what he was instructed. He says, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. And then he says this, do not say a word until the day 
I tell you to shout, then shout. In other words, Joshua instructs these guys, hey guys, shut up and march. Zip, zip it. Just, why did he tell them to shut up and march? See, I think it was one of God's last tests for his people. Because let's not forget what kept them out of the promised land was their lack of faith and their grumbling and complaining. Because I can imagine, he's like, I don't want to hear your commentary. I don't want you to give me what you think should be happening as you're marching. I don't want, to, I don't want you to tell me what we should be doing if you're in charge. And I, He's like, shh, 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 shh. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Joshua tells them, I want you to shut up and march because sometimes our greatest enemy is our own mouth. What we're choosing to speak out of our own mouth can be our greatest enemy. And Joshua's like, don't, don't do this. Don't, don't say anything. And I think God wanted them to know, will you just shut up and march just because I told you to? Are you willing to walk in this? And don't forget that, that they had no idea how long this was going to go. Like Joshua knew but there's nothing in here, in this, in Joshua chapter 6, that he told these guys, hey guys, we're going to do this for six days and then seven days. All he said each day, he said, get up, march, let's walk. It wasn't like they were walking around there thinking, day four, all right guys, it's okay. I mean, three more days, we're okay, we could do this, right? They're walking around, two more days, we can, I know we're looking like idiots, but like we can keep doing this, right? Come on, come on, come on, it's okay, it's almost done. We have one more day and then it's finished. They don't know. They had no idea how long this was going to be. What if they stopped on five? What if it was just too darn silly or infuriating by six? And they were just like, you know what? I am done with this. Nothing's happening. I see no progress. They're heckling us from the wall. Like this is not going to, I'm not doing this anymore. What if we just stopped on six? Uh, what if in 2 Kings chapter five, Naaman the leper only chose to wash in the Jordan six times instead of seven? You know what? Six ought to be good enough for healing. I am done. Obviously, nothing's changed. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going back there and wash a seventh time. It says, don't stop. Continue in what it is that God's called you to. And then he says, because in verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the, in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. Let me just pause here for a second. Isn't it interesting that on the last day, the day that they probably would have felt like giving up the most, God calls them to not just do what they had been doing, but to do it even more. I'm just going to leave that there for you. You can, you can tuck that away. Verse 16, the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And then in verse 20, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. God had them draw a circle around the promise and persevere until the promise was truly and finally possessed. Just keep walking around that. 
claiming that promise, persevering and being persistent in it until they finally possessed it. And my question for you today is this. What is your Jericho? Like what, what is that promise that you're praying around? What's that miracle that you're, that you're marching around? Like what, what is that in your life? Drawing circles starts with identifying your Jericho. That area that maybe you've prayed about it before, maybe it's a promise long past, but you just know that you know that you know that God is calling you to draw circles around. You have to define the promise that God wants you to put the stake in. You have to call out the miracle that that God wants you to believe for or the dreams that God has put in your heart. And then you have to just keep circling it until God gives you not what you want, but what he wants and what he wills. We're not trying to twist God's arm to give us what we want. We're seeking him for what he wants in our life. So I just want to encourage you over these 21 days to be seeking after and asking God. James 4.2 says this, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. I think that many times we may not be walking in the promise that God has spoken over our life because we don't ask God for anything more than we can accomplish on our own. Well, you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God, absolutely. Are you believing God for something outside of your own control or manipulation or orchestration? What is it that you know God can only do? I mean, you've tried, you've done everything you can do, you've done your homework. You've, what is it that you just know that you know that you know that God is calling you to, but you have not because you haven't asked him? So there's this story in, in the New Testament in Luke chapter 18. It's like a thousand years after this Jericho miracle happens. Um, and it's another miracle that happens in the same exact place. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. He's blind, beggar. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. Can't see. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him, shh, quiet down. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Because what most would see as an interruption, Jesus saw as an appointment. He says, bring this guy, bring him over to me. And when he came near, Jesus asks him this really weird question. He says this, what do you want me to do for you? Are you you kidding me right now? Like, I am blind. Um, I've been yelling for you to have mercy on me, like, Isn't it obvious? This poor guy is blind. And yet Jesus forces him to define exactly what he wanted from him. He wanted him to define it, to verbalize his desire. He forced him to do it. And it wasn't because Jesus didn't know what this man wanted. He wanted to make sure that this man knew what this man wanted. What can I do for you? What is it that you, what do you want me to do for you? 
as we're talking about identifying your Jericho and taking a look at that, like, is drawing prayer circles around, knowing what to circle. What is it that you want me to do for you? Why don't you stand with me? Hmm. What if Jesus asked you that same question today? What, what if Jesus asked you, what do you want me to do for you? Would you be able to articulate it? Would you be able to even like, you know, just, just speak out? Because I'm afraid that a lot of us would be dumbfounded. Like, I, I don't really know. I have no idea what I would want you to do for me. Because I tend not to ask you for things outside of my own control. And the great irony is, is that if, if we can't articulate that, then we are as blind spiritually as this man is blind physically. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want me to do for you? See, because if the definition of faith is being confident of what we hope for and sure of what we do not see, then, then, then being unsure of what we hope for is the antithesis of faith, isn't it? why it's so important for us to pray measurable prayers. So as we head into these 21 days of prayer, I just want to encourage you, define your Jericho, but define it in a measurable prayer. I just want to encourage you that because if you're praying prayers that you cannot measure, then you're robbing yourself from seeing their fulfillment. Because you don't even know if God's answered it or not. Because I haven't even defined what it is that I want from him. So here's your 21-day prayer challenge individually and as a body. I just want to encourage you to pick a time and a place and start circling something or someone that you're going to pray daily for for 21 days. This is the thing. And this, this is not so that you can twist God's arm and get him to answer your prayer within your 21-day time frame or do what you want him to do. The goal is to establish the habit of drawing circles in prayer. Because sometimes God wants to do something in us before he can do something for us. And so for maybe for some of you, it's praying for your children or your spouse or uh, unsaved coworker or your future spouse. Maybe it's a, a dream that God's put in your heart or a change that you know needs to, make, to be made or a decision that you know needs to be had. Or maybe you've got a, a sin in your life that you're struggling with and you just keep coming up against it. I just want to encourage you over these 21 days to say, you know what? I'm going to start drawing a circle in prayer over this area of my life. You may be like, okay, well, what's this? What are you talking about when you're talking about drawing circles? Here's the difference. It's a difference between praying for something and praying through something. There's kind of this lost thing in this generation of, of praying through things. It's this idea that it's not just a list of things that I'm just checking off, checking off, checking off, checking off. It's this thing that, God, I'm going to intercede for this until you intervene. I am praying through. And my question is like, when was the last time that you pulled like an all-nighter in prayer? When was the last time your, your legs went numb because you were kneeling too long? You cut off circulation. When was the last time you were flat on your face before God over something that's going on? I just want to encourage you to pray through something, to attach your faith to it and say, God, I believe that you can do not what I can do, but what only you can do. And I'm realizing that I am in less control than I even thought I was.
over my life. But God, I give it over to you. I, I put it in your hands. God, you have your way. Because I just believe that there are higher heights and deeper depths in our relationship with God. I just want to encourage you to seek after him. Not in what you can handle on your own and orchestrate and manipulate. I'm saying seek after him and say, God, what is it that you would have for me in this area of my life? I'm trusting you in it. I'm trusting you in it. So everywhere around, just before you leave here today, I wonder if you just maybe close your eyes with me and have a moment with the Lord today. Maybe God has, has been speaking something to you even over the course of this message. Maybe, maybe you're like, maybe, I don't know, I, there's nothing really going on in my life that I need to pray about. I would, I would say maybe you're avoiding it. Maybe you're avoiding it. So, if the Lord is speaking to you about an area of your life or uh, 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 someone or something that you just know you're going to be drawing a circle around over the next 21 days, just between you and the Lord, this is a commitment between you and Him, I just want to encourage you to just raise your hand and say, God, I hear you and I've identified my Jericho and I'm committing over these next 21 days to lift you up. Raise it up nice and high. Raise it up nice and high between you and the Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would give each and every single person with every hand raised in here courage to be able to walk out in faith that which they cannot see that they would see, not with their physical eyes, but they would see with the eyes of faith, that they wouldn't be, um, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be infuriated or, or turned back just because they don't see that which you've said. That we would walk into the promise that you have for each and every single one of us. And so God, I thank you for those every hand raised. I pray you give courage and boldness to them throughout this time courage and boldness to be praying prayers that, that go far beyond what they can control. God, that we would believe you for greater heights and deeper depths in our relationship with you, that we would grow in you and trust in you and faith in you, that we would be sure of what we hope for and confident of what we do not see. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. As we sing today, as we sing this last song, I just want to encourage you, maybe, maybe you've identified an area of your life that you just know that this is, this is an area that I just know that I need to focus in on. There's a prayer need in any area of your life, whether it's physical, it's emotional, you got some relationship things going on. I just wonder, during this, during this last song, for you to take that first step outside of yourself, outside of your row, outside of your own comfort, to say, I'm committing today, this day, Lord, before heaven and hell, to say, I, I will commit to seeing you move in this area of my life. I'm trusting you with it. I'm trusting you with it. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm trusting you. Even if it looks foolish, I will trust you. So as we sing, I just want to encourage you. Lord, I pray you would draw people to yourself this morning. Draw them outside of their comfort zone to just identify and say, God, I am choosing this day to stand on your word and your promise for my life. Feel free to come forward as we sing. We'll have some, some of our altar prayer team that will come alongside and pray God into your situation, encourage you with faith. Amen. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing. We recognize, Holy Spirit, that you're still ministering to people throughout this auditorium, and we just want to give you place to have your way. But Lord, I just thank you for uh, the word that you brought to us today, God, that we would be a people of concentrated prayer. Lord, that you would have your way in our midst. Lord, I pray for this evening that all of us who show up just to exalt your name, God, we would find you 
already here in this place. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So enjoy your Sunday. Have a great day. And we'll see you tonight.